That word that was shared felt quite personal. So thank you for that, for interpreting that, and for the word given here. To summarise it, you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> you ain't seen nothing yet. And whenever we reach that point where we think we've seen it, think again. But also, in that word that we were given about um, the abruptness of, of God stepping in, when things suddenly shift, when it feels like there's something blocking your way, or you feel like your path is diverted, don't immediately assume that it's the enemy getting in the way. Consider what God might be doing. And I have, um, I think, if I say so myself, aptly called this uh, talk, Expect the Unexpected. Because that's our experience. That's our, our experience uh, for me and Caroline and for our family is we have seen time again, things happen unexpectedly. Always when God does things unexpectedly, it's good, ultimately, in the end. But I remember, you know, if you think about what I shared at, at the start, two, about two months ago, uh, the Lord said to me, expect the unexpected. And I thought, right, I've got this one. I'm going to try really hard. I'm going to keep close to God. I'm going to expect the unexpected. And, you know, I didn't know what it was going to be. I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know when. It was, like I said, it was a few weeks. And then, of course, what happened, happened. And the Lord spoke and he directed our paths and he changed our hearts. And I said, Lord, this is not fair. You say to me, expect the unexpected, but this is you who not only can do all things, just, just, but literally all things, even the impossible things. And now you're expecting me to expect the unexpected. It's just not fair. But as we've seen that through our story, as I was reflecting back, I began to realise something, is that with God this is impossible. But what we can do is be prepared for anything. We can be prepared for anything. How, I hear you say. How, I hear... Never mind, don't worry. Okay, uh, thank you, thank you. A bit late, but there we go. The two things that really struck me as I was reflecting on this was in the, answering the question of how can we be prepared for anything. The first is to trust God in everything. And the second is to keep watch. So the first thing is to trust God in everything. Now when you look at scripture, you'll soon see that God takes trust as being very important. It's important in his word, it's important in his character, it's important as something that he expects from us. And so even just a quick dip into scripture, in Numbers 20, this is talking about Moses. Moses who did amazing things, followed, followed God through impossible and extraordinary situations. This is what it says, it says that Moses wasn't permitted to enter the promised land 
because he didn't trust in God. Wow, Moses didn't trust in God. As you look at the journey of, of the people in Israel throughout the Old Testament, then walking in the blessings or walking in the curses all came down to whether or not they were trusting in God. In 2 Kings 18, Hezekiah, this is what it says about Hezekiah. He trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, so that there was no one like him among all the kings of Judah after him or among those who were before him. For he held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following him, but kept the commandments that the Lord commanded Moses. The Lord was with him. Wherever he went, he prospered. Now, if you wanted a crash course in trust, that's what it looks like. When you trust in God, that's what it looks like. And then the Psalms. If you do a search on trust, more than a third of the references come up in Psalms. How many Psalms can you think of where it says, trust in the Lord, trust in me, guide me in your ways, and so on? In Proverbs chapter 3, one that I'm sure you all know, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own insight. It's a great scripture. Isaiah 26 verse 4. I love this one. It's beautiful. Trust in the Lord forever, for in the Lord God you have an everlasting rock. Not only is that so rich and deep, it also has that prophetic tone, doesn't it, as pointing towards the everlasting rock who would come in the flesh to us. And then this one, which I think is, takes trust to a whole new level. This is Jeremiah verse, uh, chapter 17, verse 7. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. How powerful is that we're not just trusting in him. He is trust itself. He embodies that. This is who he is. And so when, when we're walking with God, we're not just kind of, he's, he's over there somewhere, and we're, we're kind of trusting in him. We're like, I'm trusting in. It's like, no, he is trust. He is, as, as Isaiah says, he is this everlasting rock, this rock beneath us. And there's so much more, which I, I won't go into. But trust is important. And we've done our best to trust in God in all things, as much as we, as much as we can, with our family, with our, our health, with where we live, our home, with our finances, with our jobs, and so on and so forth. Everything, really, we've tried uh, our best to trust him. And what we've seen over the years is that we've built up story after story after story of seeing a God who is faithful. Because he always is. Because God is trustworthy. And through that, we've learnt that letting go means letting go. Completely. If you've, if you've got a child clinging to a ladder or dangling from a rope, and the father comes to, to rescue, to go and he calls out for help and he comes to rescue her. That child has got to let go with both hands in order to be rescued. Letting go completely. And we've also learnt, which I'm sure many of you have learned this too, he knows best. 
He knows best. He just does. He's God. He knows everything. He always knows best. It can be quite annoying. <laughs> and learning that we don't always see things the same way. Now, I'm not talking about me and Caroline. Most of the time, we see things the same way. The rest of the time, she's right. And, of course. But, you know, with, with our relationship with God, when he directs our path, we don't always understand it. We don't see the full picture. We don't even sometimes see what's coming. But the point is, he does. And this is so important when it comes to trusting, is that you trust someone who can see. He can see the beginning from the end. He can see all the details in between. He's thought about it. He's prepared for it. He's not surprised by anything. So as we've trusted him in the small things, and we've seen that he's faithful, we've learned to trust him with the bigger things and ultimately with everything. And in doing so, we've discovered these things. We've discovered greater peace. We've discovered joy. Rest. That is a really important one. Rest. And I don't just mean like sitting back and doing nothing, but finding that deep rest, that rest in your soul. You know, we can say, it is well with my soul, that place, because you know you can trust in him, because he carries the weight of it. We've discovered greater boldness and intimacy. And, and actually, that we've, we've become part of a greater journey. We've left the safety of the, the tarmac road. And we've gone off track, cross-country, onto a greater adventure because we're learning to trust him. So how does this prepare us for anything? Trusting God in everything means we don't need to know everything. Because he does. It means we don't need to keep control. It means we don't need to have this tight grip on everything. Because it's better in his hands. It means we can hear him guiding us more clearly. Because we're not clinging on to something. We're not trying to resist him. And we're not applying such a strong bias in a particular direction that it becomes taint our, our understanding of what he's saying becomes tainted by what he's saying. How many of you know how difficult it is to hear God when you definitely want a yes or you definitely want a no? That's really difficult, isn't it? And it's accepting that place where I'm, if it's yes, praise God, and if it's no, praise God. What a place to be, because then you can begin to hear him so much more clearly. And it also means that we're in the best position possible when the inevitable, unexpected things come. Because they will and they do. Don't we know it? But all of this does mean that we've got to be obedient. When we walk with him in our day-to-day, -day, we've got to be obedient. Now, we know that that's not easy. And by a long stretch, we don't get it right so many times. Thankfully, God is so gracious. But you can't go far wrong. That's right. When you keep your eyes on him and follow him wherever he takes you. Especially 
when he's the one that calms the storm. When he's the one who casts the demons out and causes them to flee. Especially when he's the one that makes a way when there seems to be no way. When he's the one that brings light into the darkness. When he's the one who ignites hope when all seems lost. When he's the one who stirs up faith that can move mountains. And when he's the one that brings life into existence. If we can't trust him, who can we trust? We're going to dip into very quickly uh, into Matthew. Matthew 24 and 25. Just, just very briefly, you don't need to look it up because we'll just, I'm just kind of going to skip over things a bit. In Matthew 25, we have the parable of the talents. You know this one, the talents of the, the one, two, and the five talents. The master goes, he entrusts that number of talents to those slaves, and then he comes back with an expectation of receiving those back with some form of return. And in verse 21, um, when he's speaking to um, uh, the, the one that had the two talents and the five talents, he says, well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. This is a really important verse. Because if you're struggling with trusting God, and all of us do to some degree or another, God will present us with something that he requires us to trust him in and we struggle. I, mm, this, is a, this one's a big ask. How do we trust him? Well, take that verse and turn it around. Trust God in a few things. Trust God in what you can. Start where you can. And then when he's been found trustworthy in those things, you can say to God, you have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. It's we, we, we build our lives on story, don't we? On testimony. That's what encourages our faith. That's what, when we think of God is the same yesterday, today and forever, if God was faithful yesterday and he doesn't change, well, he's going to be faithful today and tomorrow. And so we build up these stories that demonstrate to us that he is trustworthy. And so we can learn to trust him more and more and more. And when we do that, we can then do that final bit where it says you can enter into uh, the joy of your master, which is those things I said before. Peace, rest, boldness, intimacy, joy, being on a greater adventure and so on. So that's the first thing, trusting God. The second is keeping watch. Now in Matthew 24, we all know this as the chapter where Jesus turns his attention and starts speaking about the signs to look out for. And that these are just the beginning things when you begin to see these signs happen. And then his language changes sort of halfway through the chapter and he starts talking about keeping watch. And then we get, and this, this goes into Matthew 25 and at the beginning of Matthew 25, we've got the 10 bridesmaids, which I will read to you. 
then the kingdom of heaven would be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a shout, look, here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, no, there will not be enough for you and for us. You had better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later the, other bride, sorry, later, the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open, the, open to us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Now this is, this is a passage that over the last year or so, I've got us kept bringing me back to for all kinds of reasons. But one of the things that he showed me was that to be ready is one thing, but to be prepared is quite another. You see, we can be ready one minute and not ready the next. It changes like the wind. It's like happiness. You can be happy one minute and something happens and you're not happy anymore. It's, I mean, if you look through the story, we find constant different um, degrees of being ready. Initially, all ten are ready. They've got their lamps, they're obviously in their bridesmaid gowns or whatever it is, and they're out and they're ready to meet with uh, the bridegroom. But then he's delayed, and then all ten of them fall asleep. So all ten went from being ready to not being ready. All ten of them. They were no longer ready, they were asleep. I have all kinds of pictures in my head, whether it be a pile of bodies or the, the you know, it's like, or kind of like the Renaissance pictures where they're kind of fainting on a rock or, or something. It's all these kind of different ideas, but all, all of them are not ready. And somebody else shouts, this is not one of the bridesmaids, somebody shouts, look, he's coming. So they all get up and then we have five that are ready and five that are no longer ready because they've no longer got enough oil in their lamps. So our readiness can shift from one moment to the next. But being prepared, being prepared has distance to it. Yeah. In this story, despite the varying states of readiness, there were five who were always prepared and five who weren't. Now what really got me about this passage is that actually it's not about that. It shocked me, because I, I, I mean, I know this passage so well, and it just suddenly, that's, when I read it a couple of weeks ago, again, this stood out to me. It's not about having oil or not having oil. It's about watching, keeping watch, which is fascinating because, bear with me on this, okay, had they stayed awake, they would have seen him coming from much further away. And it's possible that maybe 
those foolish brides, bridesmaids would have had time to have gone to the 24-7 down the road because this is at midnight. They're saying, go and buy some from the merchant. This is at midnight. Buy some oil and they might have got back in time. Maybe. We don't know. It doesn't say that. But there is the potential implication in that. All of them fell short because they all fell asleep. So it's about keeping watch. The key thing is we don't know the day or the hour, both in terms of his coming, but also the next thing that God has got for you. We don't know. He took us by complete surprise when he said to us what he said to us. You know, we weren't, in a sense, ready for that. But because of the stories that we'd built up of trust and of walking with him, we were prepared for it. <clears throat> and actually, we find it really exciting that when God suddenly says, like, actually, go this way instead. What? You're on. Right, okay, let's go. You know, it's exciting. Also daunting. You know, it's... But it's about keeping watch, about being prepared. And I think keeping watch at the moment is a key word for our time. There is much happening in the world right now, as you know. Many terrible things, awful things, many unexpected things, or many things we, we, we saw it come in maybe, but wondered when it would actually happen. But actually, lots of good things too. God seems to be doing quite a thing right now across the world. And uh, choose which you spend your time on. Which one are you going to fill your mind with? And we need the Word and we need the Spirit. The Word of God and the Spirit of God. We need both of those things together to help us to test and approve, if you like, the things that we think God might be saying. And we need each other in that process as well. What is God saying to us? When God spoke to us and we had all these different words and pictures and, and scriptures and things, we sought counsel. We spoke to several people and said, look, God is doing something, we think. What's he saying to you? And so many times people began confirming to us what was true before we even told them what it was. So people began speaking to us about the scriptures and the pictures and the words and so on before we'd even told them it. So we kind of felt this was uh, you know, what God was saying. But in keeping watch, it means also keeping our eyes on him, doesn't it? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Now, if I, was ask, if I was to ask you the question, where's the best place to be? Where would you say? It's with Jesus, isn't it? It's, it can sound so twee, but it's so true. And especially when the unexpected comes, because it means that we're in the right place. You know, when something throws you off balance, whatever it is, whether it's good, the bad, or indifferent, or whatever, you need something in your life to steady you. And that's what Jesus provides for us, isn't it? That steadiness. He is, going back to what Isaiah was saying, he is the everlasting rock. He provides that stability to us and for us. So, what about you? I've told you about me and about us. 
But what about you? How, how ready do you feel? Or how prepared do you feel for anything? Not those things that fit into our own mindsets, those things that we think, well, this is, this is the way that God has told me to go. He's told me this, that, and the other, which I'll point this way. It's, well, we go until we're told otherwise. But are we prepared to allow him to speak into our situation again in order to maybe, maybe, maybe it's just a fine-tuning of our path. Or maybe it's to say, actually, I need you over here. Do we feel able to expect the unexpected? It's an unfair ask. But are you keeping watch? Because he's entrusted to us, in himself, the gift of his spirit. The one who is able to discern all things. The one who can guide us into truth. Guide us on that path which takes us uh, wherever God wants us to go. And the question really is, will we follow? Even with every unexpected twist and turn, will we follow the way that Jesus leads us? It'll keep you on your toes. But it'll do so much more than that. What do you want from your life? What do you want from it? Do you want to keep it and keep a tight hold of it? Which you can do. But Jesus has something to say about the one who wants to hold on to his life in order to save it. He's going to lose it. But he says, for those who will lose their life for my sake, I know it's kind of changing the meaning a little bit, but it's that letting go. Will you let go with both hands? We can't go forwards like this, holding on to the things of the past or the things that we thought were precious or secure or whatever. It's got to be both hands. The other day, I really felt God was showing me something and I felt like he said to me, the things that I give you, you can only ever take hold of with two hands. Because one hand will never be enough. And what I loved about that was, was that it means I cannot cling to or hold on to anything else. It's him. Or it's not him. And there's no in between. Should we stand? Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Lord, we ask that you'd continue to, to minister your word and your truth to us, Lord. That you'd help us in our trusting of you. To walk with you more closely. To be able to see you more clearly. And to see you working through us in your glory. And I want to end with this uh, scripture from Jude. It's the very end of Jude. It's a doxology. It, it's amazing. And particularly for us 
in this context of what I've just been speaking about. Because sometimes we can we cannot trust God because we're so scared of making a mess. What if I get it wrong? What if I follow the wrong track? What if I do it wrong? What if I, I step into the opportunity and make a hash of it? It says, to him who is able to keep you from falling. How amazing. But more than that, also to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Saviour, be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore.